0: This is Infidel One, Offending Coyote Down, Offending Coyote Down. Roger. up. Welcome to Trappin' Radio. We're proud, organic, free-range, wild fur farmers of North America.
1: Let me tell you a little story about how I was raised, everyday work. Every day pray, God, family, friends, yeah everybody sins A winner never quits, and a quitter never wins Help folks in need, don't fall for greed A jealous man is weak, so think before you speak If you love him, let him know, if you hate, let it go Fast can be fun, but sometimes you need slow God, is all good, the devil is so real So listen up, y'all, cause this is how I feel i won't back up i don't back down i've been raised up to stand my ground take my job but not my guns tax my check till i ain't got none except for the good lord of above i answer
0: to no one now let's cover our sponsors they do a lot to help support Trappin' radio so i'm asking you guys out there and gals to help support our sponsors as they keep trapping radio on the air. First sponsors, Oki Cable and Trap Supply. Jeb's the owner of this. He's out of Oklahoma, super guy. You'll not meet anybody nicer. It's somebody you're gonna wanna deal with. You can reach him at oktrapsupply.com. You can give Jeb a call at 918-429-4648. Not only does he do trap supply guys, he's a fur buyer, so if you're around the Oklahoma or surrounding states, give him a call with your fur. When you need stuff, give him a call and he'll get it out to you as soon as he can. Our second sponsor is F&T Fur Harvesters Trading Post. Everything you need for trapping, hunting with hounds, and predator calling. Guys, if you're into trapping fur, hunting fur, chasing fur with dogs, you're not gonna be able to think of hardly anything that you can't get from F&T. You can reach them at fntpost.com. You can also give them a call at 989-727-8727. Whatever you want, F&T's got it. Wildlife Control Supplies, proven solutions for wildlife control, delivering value, expertise, and products to the wildlife individual. If you're in an ADC business, control business, even fur trapping, You need to look at these guys' website. top-notch company, have everything you would want, even the odd stuff that ADC guys are looking for. You can reach them at wildlifecontrolsupplies.com. You can give them a call at 877-684-7262. International number is 860-844-0101. If you're a wildlife control professional, you need to have wildlife control supplies as one of your favorites on your computer or your phone. Because when you come across something that you need specialized equipment, Alan will get it right out to you. Now let's go traffic. See,
1: I'm a flag flying, Bible toed son of a gun. Yeah, I'm hell on the heart, just a rebel on the run. Scared, don't know it. Fear, don't feel it. The truth is the light Sometimes you gotta fight Good beats bad Right beats wrong I'm a ballroom preacher And this is my song I'm climbing for the top Representing for the country I'm the people's champ Right out the dead camp. Shotgun toter Republican voter Hank Jr. supporter Let's protect our border To hell with anyone Who don't believe in the USA Cause this is what I say I won't back up I don't back up I've been raised to
0: stand my ground Take my job, but not my guns Tax my till I got- Welcome everyone, this is your host Clint Locklear for Trapping Across America. If you've never listened to the show before, just let me give you a little bit of warning about uh, what you're going to be hearing about. We're going to be talking about trapping. I've got a request today for a show topic that uh, I've been thinking about all week, so hopefully it uh, it, it's everything that the gentleman wanted about it and I believe he'll know who it is when he hears it But if you if you're not sure what this is just keep in mind when you're listening to this You're talking to an organic free-range wild fur farmer a patriot peaceful seditionist with hippie, lit, hippie leanings and a full-blooded Appalachian American male So that should give everything that you need to know about the the content about what you're getting ready to hear And we're going to be talking about catching fur which has been one of the main industries in America since there's been America, and there's nothing there to be ashamed about whatsoever. And uh, always proud to be a trapper, outdoorsman, hunt, fish, grow—you know—grow a lot of my own food, do stuff like that. Just a really good time. And to somebody that really, I, I, I believe, true Americans that uh, that kind of look at the world where they need to be able to have some skills to to do things besides sit on a computer screen or sell insurance or work in a store somewhere doing retail. I think you'll find a lot of interesting things we're going to talk about throughout the show and if you're also new to the show we have Trapping Radio 2 which you're listening to. I believe this is the 170th show we've done which means there's probably about 190 hours of talking about trapping on here. And we also have our original site, trappingradio.com, which, which has all the archives up to a certain point. So, you know, if you, if you burn through these, you get all excited about it or you listen to it while you're out trapping this fall, you can click over to www.trappingradio.com and you can hear the original stuff before we had to switch over to the new site just because it was so full. Well, it's, uh ooh, I don't know what day it is, it's Friday, it's uh, September, weather's definitely cooling off, I mean, I think they said for us the high this weekend's supposed to be in the low 70s, I mean, that's pretty amazing for Tennessee in September, so I'm really looking forward to that, and uh, it probably won't be, but an- about another 45 days till the leaves start really falling off and changing, and that's when it seems like uh, most trampers get a little bit frisky, and which is the way that it should be. But I'm getting her to be at the, the Southern NTA up in Crossville. So if you're, if you're looking for a convention and you've never been to one, you ought to come up to it. There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of guys there. There's a lot of big names giving demos. One of them, which I just learned about last night, which I thought was pretty cool, and, and I'm kind of confused about why he's doing it, is uh, Wayne Derrick from New Mexico. Never seen him at a convention giving a demo or anything like that really good cat trapper he seems to be a really good predator guy from out in the west that I have a feeling is just going to be entertaining to spend a few minutes with so Mark June will be there a bunch of other guys will be there that uh, Like I said if you've never been to a show you you at least owe it to yourself to do it because when you when you're shoulder to shoulder with your your trapping brethren It just kind of does you you good and you kind of it main thing i like about it at a a trapping convention is it reminds you that you're not alone without what you're doing and it's very different than being on facebook or instagram or a trapping forum when you're talking to people face to face and stuff like that and when you're at one of these things don't be shy don't be afraid to talk to anybody everybody there is the same as everybody else they trap. Some people sell stuff, some people buy stuff, some people just talk about stuff, all just trappers. So keep that in mind. And one uh, bad note, if you're a business, uh, September 15th guys, in case you forgot about it, like I have, is if you've extended your business taxes, it's due on the 15th, which I believe is Wednesday or Tuesday. So. That's what I'm gonna be doing all weekend is going through all this crap I've got to go through, so I can pay my extortion payment to the federal government for work and money that they have not earned. So that's what I'm gonna do. But if you've got a business and you've ran your extension, keep that in mind because you're about to get slammed if you wait till the 16th. We're gonna. I've been getting a lot, a lot of response about the the business course, which is it's it's pretty exciting to me and. For one how many people are interested in the topic and and I just know how interactive this is gonna be From everybody's point of view on getting in the mindset of an entrepreneur and one of the things I, I you know I brought up the co-op and Before the trappers co-op which I'm gonna do guys, but he, here's the deal. I, I don't like giving stuff that's not more value if I ask somebody for money I do not like doing that whatsoever and part of the thing is with the trappers co-op is I was gonna do some videos just for co-op members I did them out of season I wasn't really happy with them so I, I should have just kept my mouth shut about the trappers co-op till I got the value added stuff so if you join the co-op you automatically get more value back than you put in from day one and and I think that's pretty important. So that's the reason I'm holding off on the co-op because I need season to get here. So I can I just think it makes better quality footage for what I'm trying to show on that. But I because of the business course, I've been really really thinking about how can I make sure right off the bat, day one, somebody can have an idea that's worth more money than they give me. And and I've talked to several friends about this and, ex- and kind of explain this thought process and I'm going to give a business idea that as a trapper, someone that's out in the woods and does scouting and trapping and stuff like that it's a it's an add-on business where you could make easily make your 299 back for the course. Or you could make $29,000, depending on what you want to do, but i tell you how cool it is. It's the same principle and energy level as if you dig a dirt hole and someone hands you $5, $10, $15, $25. For every time you put in a set, someone just hands you money. That's what the business, uh, the concept is that I'm going to share with the students of the course because, and I'm going I'm to go through how to market it because I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm going to be going over how I'm going to market it, I'm going to be going over how to get this out there, how to how to get the revenue from it, and when you, when you see the course, it's going to be broken down to the simplest point on this value added business idea that I'm going to give everybody that's in the course, that there's no reason for them not to make a nice chunk of money if they're willing to do a little bit of work and use their head about it, that when you see how truly easy to make income is. I promise you'll never look at the world the same again and when you hear this it's gonna be so simplistic that you're gonna have a hard time thinking it'll work but the cool part about what I'm gonna give on the value-added part for the the students is it's not gonna cost you a single penny for someone to give you 5 10 15 25 sometimes $35. And you can be selling to people all across the country. And this is a, 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 a really cool way that you could spend time with your family and you can really jump on what you're doing out in the woods and if you're I, I'll just have to explain it to you in the course but it, it's it's one of those things that just came to me in a realization that uh, money literally guys is everywhere it's all around you every day just most people just either can't see it refuse to see it or I I don't know I mean I'm 46 years old I've never thought about this before and all of a sudden now it's kind of like literally I'm driving down the road and there's just money laying everywhere and that's not like some QG sales pitch, it's it's the honest to God truth of how simple it's going to be and I really believe that if somebody wanted to, that they could go out and make a full-time living, I mean a really good living, depending on how far you want to take this idea, a really substantial living by working maybe four months a year, but you're going to have to work your butt off for those four months a year and then you get to take the rest of the time off and have plenty of cash to do it with. But So that's the value added that I want to give the students right out of the gate if they take that course. Now because it's getting late in the year, I do want everybody to think about something that, that sometimes gets kind of lost in the shuffle for a trapper and it can really be a bummer later on in the year. You, unless you're walking on foot, or you're using a canoe you are even if you're using a boat a 4 wheeler a truck I don't care if it's a Subaru station wagon or an 18-wheeler This is the time before you really get ratcheted up for trapping season Really look at your vehicles check out the tires make sure the oils changed make sure nothing's leaking you know you know really look at uh, the maintenance part of the vehicle, do you need to get a new spare tire? Do you have a way to change the tires? Do you have a way to plug tires? If, if it's a vehicle that you have trouble, like at one time I had a 69 Chevrolet Blazer that it, it, it for some reason about every other month it would sling out uh, U-joints, always had four extra in the, in the thing at all times. I got pretty good at changing them and it's something to do with the angle of the drive shaft or something the mechanic told me but if you know your vehicle's got little issues like that, go ahead and prepare ahead of time and remember when you're thinking about your trapping vehicle, one is none, two is one. So if you have an issue like a u-joint, for example, like I did, make sure you got two because as soon as it blows out, now you're down to zero, which gets a little nervous. You know, think about your spare tires. Do you have everything you need to bevel to? In the woods by yourself to be able to you know jack the car up is is all the stuff there of the kids you went out and used it you know to play in the yard with and you don't have it having you know a little extra gas every now and then may not be a bad plan you know just to have two or three extra gallons in the truck with you or your vehicle whatever it's using you know some some water in case it overheats you know really check your hoses and your belts if they're starting to look rough don't chance it cuz it it'll, it'll turn a really cuz when you're out trapping i mean you you it can turn a, a simple thing can turn into a a really epic episode when you're not in your driveway or on the main street somewhere a lot of times the the wrecker's not going to want to come out and, and get you and you got to wait on friends you can have a lot of down days from trapping by getting vehicles and most of the time it's just simple maintenance by going out and really looking things over you know if if it's starting to sound funny take it to the shop i would recommend going taking your vehicle to a local mechanic that you know and hopefully you've done that by now and just have him go over and check the ball joints and different things like that you know, because like I can tell you, with my when I had the one ton Dodge and I was taking to Texas, every other year I had to get the front end rebuilt. And if I wouldn't have done that, I would have had bad issues and some of those ranches I've been on down there, if my front end would have come apart like it did on poor Albert last year, and he didn't have the support system that we had in place, it, it could be a two or three day or even a very dangerous type thing. The same with your boat, you know, Go t- take it out before season before trapping season really run the dog snot out of it You know, make sure you got good clean gas and oil make sure you have everything sitting there if it's leaking get it fixed Have a couple extra plugs in the boat different things like that You know have a way that you can have an extra battery unless it's a, a, a pool like the boat I use is, is uh, just a small a motor but it, I could I pull start it so I don't need a battery But I do need batteries for the trolling motors and stuff like that make sure your trolling motor works Because it costs you a lot of extra money during the season to get something done really really quick And if you don't wait all of a sudden then You're good to go, but just go go out and look at your whatever your trapping rig is and make sure you know that, that something's not leaking where it's going to be dangerous or if you know when you see small stuff go ahead and do it now because it's just human nature as the american male we think nothing's going to happen to us we think everything's going to work out and it's worked all summer why aren't going to work this winter you know make sure your brakes are, are fixed and checked and, and different things like that because that way when it comes to prime time you can go be prime time instead of sitting around waiting for somebody else to do something for you because you didn't take this little bit of Time that you've got to really check on your vehicle so I highly recommend any trapper it doesn't matter if it's just something you do on the way to work or you're full-blown fire-breathing I've got to catch everything that walk crawls, crawls or flies professional trapper get your vehicles in working order so that's something you don't have to think about later when it's time to go trapping and if you get in the habit of doing that it gets really uh just peace of mind really you know because if you've only got one spare tire and i've had this happen to me several times if you only have one spare tire and you get a flat all of a sudden you're down to zero tires and you got to be really careful you've got to really weigh what you're doing you know where you're going or do you have to go way out of your way to get a new spare get that one fixed different things like that just not cool for trapping it's really not you, you need to be concentrating on what you're there for Which is putting steel in the ground and getting fur in the back of the truck. That is the goal when it comes to trapping Let's get to the main topic of the show. This was an email sent to me and the question was You know, you've talked a little bit about uh, mid-season late season uh, Coon trapping, raccoon trapping And could you elaborate more on that and different things like that? So I've got a big list here that I'm going to try to get through on today's show and uh Even though coon prices are down, they're not always going to stay down and it's one of those things to me Always look at my trapping season as a training season. Just like in the Army. The more bleeding you do and more sweating you do in training, the less bleeding you do on the battlefield. That's one of the mottos when I was in the 502nd and 101st Airborne. You had to walk under that sign every single day you went to work. And I think trappings really should be the same way because every trapping season gives you a chance to learn, observe, make adjustments, get a little bit better, you know, and unfortunately by the time we're all 85 years old, we will not have the body to use all the experience we've got. But somewhere in there, stuff starts leveling out and breaking loose where trapping just gets a whole lot easier and a whole lot more productive. And that's the, always been the goal with me. So even though coon season may, you know, the prices are gonna be down this year, it looks like, even though I heard that NAFA sold pretty much all the coon up there, so no one really knows, but um, We're going to talk about this, at, you know, being requested like that. It's a it's an interesting It's a very interesting topic to me because raccoon trapping is one of those You know, it's a subject that people you know, like raccoons, it's well, you, all you got to do is, and all you got to do is, and if you do this, you'll catch all of them, this, that, and the other. And if you get around somebody that does a lot of raccoon trapping, and guys, I'm here to tell you, I am not a master raccoon trapper. I've caught thousands and thousands of them, but I'm not a master raccoon trapper. You get around somebody like Red O'Hearn or some of them guys in Iowa that absolutely year in, year out are busting, you know, 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 coon. Those guys are coon specialists like Randy Smith does. Someone's catching over a thousand coon in Pennsylvania And he don't even start setting till it's late in the season So I mean those guys really are specialists I'm, I'm not really a specialist, but I've tried to learn as I went and that's kind of the stuff that I'm going to go over today, uh, you know Most people when they think about raccoons, especially when you start getting started, you run down to the creek, you start knocking in pockets Early season you catch a lot of small raccoons The big raccoons aren't there, but that does change later in the season That has a lot to do with where you're at That's the reason it's it's hard to give someone a formula on what they should do at a certain time of year because everybody's different You know, I've been trapping up north where you're getting shelf ice, you know, four days after season opens and I've been, you know, down here the same way in the last couple of years around Thanksgiving. We, we've had an inch of ice on all the water except the big rivers, you know, and I'm in the south. But then there's been some years I've trapped where January, I'm contrapping in shorts. be honest with you, you know, I've got waders and shorts on. And every year it seems to be just a little bit different on how how someone's got to, to go after the raccoons. And there seems to be three phases in in raccoon trapping that I've noticed over the years and it and I haven't really went up north and trapped a ton late in the year I don't know when the the raccoons start breaking down stuff like that here in Tennessee some of the best coons we get in the season they prime up later some of the best coons that, that I've caught in Texas have been in March you know, and that goes against everything, but if I was in Minnesota, for example, I would say that those really big, heavy furred coon prime up early, they're doing a lot more denning and stuff like that. So when they're the most valuable is going to be different for everybody that listens to this show. And and there's no way for someone to have a, I guess there is a way, but it'd change every year to have a list on, on the best times and places and how to catch an animal. But what I've noticed is there's three distinct... Characteristics of a raccoon season if you're going to trap all season. You've got early season which is normally going to be You know water-based which is going to have smaller coons, but you can catch a lot of them And on years of high fur prices and depending on where you're at that may be the way to go But you're also dealing with a lot of artificial food sources at that time, which means the raccoons are loaded up in certain areas at that time like in Iowa with all the corn Or it could be, you know, in Florida with, uh, you know, some fruit crops and stuff coming on at Musky Dines and and different things like that. But normally when when things start really shutting down by the time trapping season starts kicking off, there's there's agriculture happening pretty much all around the country, even if it's a lot of, uh, you know, truck farms or backyard gardens or stuff like that. And it gives you an artificial food source. And the guys that really hammer coon early are working on that artificial Food source. I mean like in the Midwest As soon as season's open everybody's hunting for the corn that hadn't been cut yet or hadn't been chopped yet They're filling up every single trail they can Because that's where the raccoons are and you know, they're praying that the 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 guy that they don't have traps set on is cutting their corn and it pushes the 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 raccoons to a new section of corn where they want to have their traps. But it's mostly based off artificial. And if you're somewhere that doesn't have agriculture, you'll see a lot of tracks by smaller coon on creeks. Which is, you know, when most people do videos and books and talk about raccoon trapping, that's the time period they're talking about. It's just like fox or, or coyote trapping. Everybody picks the perfect time with the perfect weather, with a perfect scenery and everything like that. And and just not very much reality but you can do the normal stuff when you think about raccoon trapping think about you know the stuff that you see in books and stuff like that that's normally where that happens then you come into the rut which is very different than early season and then once the rut is over with depending on how far south you're going to be trapping That's just what I call late season raccoon trapping and it's again, it's very different from the rut and it kind of mimics the the beginning of the season in a certain way except the quality in the the species of the coon are very different. So I want to start with first before we get into this is talk about traps. Um, Like most people, you know, I've got to where when I'm raccoon trapping, the majority of what I'm using are dog proofs. My hands-down best way to go is with the Freedom Brand FB1s and FB2s, that's the traps that I use on a day-to-day basis, whatever trap you use, make sure it's tuned up, make sure it's cleaned, if you're running an early season and then you're going to go into a rut season or wait till it's a late winter season, make sure that you've got the gunk and stuff out of them, make sure that everything's working smoothly, everything's tuned up and filed and it's firing easy and stuff like that because it's real easy to, to catch coon early, throw that stuff in a pile then try to pull it out later and if they're outside and they're frozen and they've got all kind of the stuff that raccoon trappers put in there and it's just gunked up, frozen, you know, a mess, you're gonna be wasting time to do that. So, and, and you, you gotta think ahead about this and, and this is where you you almost need to have a, an operations center per se or a board of some kind so let's say we're, we know we're gonna we're gonna start out with uh, raccoons early and then we're gonna go into let's say coyote and bobcat trapping then we're gonna get to raccoon trapping if you have a way that you can see every time you go into your shop that uh, you know you've got you've got a whiteboard or chalkboard or pieces of paper or or whatever something that you can you can take notes so you can remember them. One of the things that's helped me is whiteboards, and I talked a little bit about that last week. But um, so if I come in from raccoon trapping early, and I and I and I put all my dog proofs over in a pile, I will write down on the, on that board, you know, first, you know, first chance clean out. In tune dog-proof traps and the reason I do that is I see that every day as I'm coming in and out of the shop So when we do get like around here, it's flooding up north It could be a blizzard or it could be you know a, a closed part of the season or maybe there's one week of deer season in your state And it's just too big of a pain in the butt to go fight with a deer hunter something Happens all throughout a season where it's just impractical to be out setting traps on a big scale That's when I know by looking at that board. It's time to go through and you know scrape out the stuff now that the the Freedom brand traps that I use they also make this little cleaner thing, which I'll have some videos up here On YouTube before long where Harry up there at F&T showing how to use it but it's a it's like a little t-handle thing with a, a, a disc with teeth on it that you can just run down in the bottom of the trap and and run your wrist back and forth and it just breaks up all that loose stuff then falls out and then I will, I, will, I will make sure that whatever the firing mechanism is on that trap, which is usually a couple of points and I've got some videos on YouTube showing this, that they're lubed up and they're working and, and they're not rusted and they're not catching and, and you know, where you're making a coon work to get caught because they're very ambidextrous in their fingers so you want it to function very well. So I'll clean the gunk out. I'll usually smack it to knock everything out on a on a on the table or something I will make sure that the whatever the trigger is is working smoothly up and down You know, and then if there's any other working parts, you know, like the the bolt nut that's on the fb1 I'll make sure that that's smooth and stuff in there. I'll set the trap make sure it works fine, and then I'll spray it down with WD-40 or PAM or something like that on the joints that have movement and then I'll set it down in the pile. Well when I have an off day because you know around here it's mostly flooding you know all of a sudden you got good days and you'll have four or five days you really can't do anything because the rivers are out of their banks the creeks are out of their banks and, and, and different things like that so there's nothing really you can do till it at least levels out that's when I do this type stuff so when I go into later in season and it is prime time again I don't have to sit there and goof around with the equipment so have you a plan set in place to be able to do this your footholds, you know they don't have to be even as clean as they are with with and stuff like that you just want to make sure they're functional the swivels are working which is very important uh, different things like that. If you're going to be running coon snares, you know, are they are they dyed yet? Are they painted yet? Are they all loaded pre-season stuff like that? You know, because you can catch a lot of coons later with uh, during the rut and even late season with snares. And the same thing with the body grips. Just make sure that you know when they close down, they're not in such rough shape that uh they're going to be pulling hair and stuff out of them so it's a, it's a good thing on your traps whether you're using the the freedom brands like i use or you're, you're going off with the body grips like you do a lot in the midwest and different things like that is to have everything set in place then you can just throw them in a barrel which is the easiest thing for me to do i got several 55 gallon drums i just throw traps in barrels and what they are or what they're for and then i can Mark that off the list and then go about doing my thing, which in that time, normally when that happens to me, I'm doing a lot, putting up fur and stuff like that. So you got an operation center after the early season and then you're going to go into what I consider the rut. And that, again, depends a lot of where you're at. And it really changes from year to year. I've seen it in Tennessee where I think the raccoons are breeding in December. And I've also went all the way through our season, which for us in Tennessee is uh, middle, late February, and don't think they ever hit a rut. And then I've been in, in Texas where it's usually, you know, somewhere around February or March. And up north, it's normally after you get some really bad frost, you get a bad weather front that shuts stuff down, which, normally in you know late December, January, or something like that. And then it's, it seems to trigger something in that raccoon where it's time to go breeding. They've ate in early season, they've got all the fat they can get on. Food's harder to come by, but they need to reproduce because that's what animals do and they go into the breeding season. Now, where I've been most of the time, these are the things that i look for during the rut. And you can, you can build some pretty sophisticated trap lines around these with a little bit of planning. But it's not something you need to do and try to figure out during the rut. This is something that you plan out like right now or a month ago or something like that. Something that, that when it comes time, you've already got the plans laid out because there's nothing more disheartening. And I've done it, so I know you're all excited. You know, it's, it's time to go do something. Let's say it's rut trapping for raccoon. And then, you know, I've seen this over here and this over there, well, I need to go ask this dude for permission to see if I can go up here and do this. And you, you you spend 80% of your day running around trying to find somewhere to put a trap. Well, if you think ahead of time, like right now or even earlier, and you plan these things out, then when it comes time and you decide it's time to pull that trigger, you're just rolling. Everything's laid out. You know exactly where you're going. You, you know the best routes to get there. You're not wasting a lot of time and goofing around, trying to find trails and stuff like that because you've already planned it out. And, and once you in these locations for the rut, pretty much stay the same year after year. So it's a really cool thing because you're not dealing so much with food sources like you are earlier in the year. So one of the things that that I'm always looking for during the rut are structures and most of the time they're man-made which are barns old houses and homesteads and in the you have a lot of females that will dent up in these things and I don't think trappers take advantage of them the way that they should they'll set some of them up but I don't I don't think a lot of people really target them now when I did a I don't know if, if Red talked about it during the interview he was at he goes through his early season takes a little bit of break to get catch his breath and get some sleep and then when he goes into his later season he really targets these structures I mean really targets these structures and you have a lot of females that bed up in them which is why the males want to come and then what Red does is he, he may even go and he'll set up these locations and he may or may not even have the trap set, but he's watching the weather because Red is a money trapper and Red doesn't want to burn fuel, he doesn't need to burn. So he'll watch the weather and then when he sees really cold temperatures and all of a sudden it warms up a little bit, and it may, you know, warming up for him may be getting 20 degrees. Well, here it could be getting up 60 degrees. You know, we, we may go into freezing temps, freezing temps, freezing temps, Then all of a sudden we got five or six days where it warms up and it's above freezing, different things like that. Raccoons are gonna be rolling. So with, what I'm talking about doing is you, you locate these structures. You, you know the best way to get to them. You have your route set up on them so you can, you can get from one to the other. And if you have really bad weather, and it's not a, a full blown blizzard where you can't see anything, but if you, or if you need to take, and this is one thing that you'll learn from a lot of guys that, that catch a lot of fur. Most guys trap really hard for bursts and then they break. And, I, and I, it's a smart way to go. Like Red will run for 14 days for a raccoon, then he'll take off three or four days and he just pretty much sleeps, eats, Gets caught up on family affairs, stuff like that, then he rolls again, then he takes a break, then he rolls again, and he takes a break. Because you can't go at that level of pushing your body without taking breaks. So it, let's say you're, you're going into your trapping season, all of a sudden you're pushing, 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 and you catch yourself where you, you know you need a break, so eventually you pull those traps. Now you can go out to these structures and kind of look around. You know that could be your break. It's it to me. It's very um, uplifting. Is not the right word. It's um, rejuvenating to go look at places. You know if you if you've never been to the barn before, you, you get you know you can take your time and walk around the barn and and look around on the ground. You'll see you'll you'll the trails will already be there. They just won't be as as big at that point. And if it's been abandoned a structure for years, the, the coon trails will almost look like uh, cattle trails. Where they for generations they've been using these same trails over and over again. And then you can go around and you can look at, okay, well they're coming out of that draw. And that draw is hooked over to those other big trees way across on that other farm. So they're working their way down through that. They're getting in the draw and they're coming over to check on these females in this building. And... On the front of the building it's just open pasture and there's nothing there, so there's, they're not really coming from anywhere over there. So I know to target most of the stuff in the back. You start getting this kind of excitement build up because you're getting this game plan and you're kind of really figuring out what's going on and you're not running blind. So you, you, you go out and you find these trails and then if the weather's really bad or if it's something you can do ahead of time and you have enough equipment, you could go ahead, if it's legal in your area, and I check your laws on this, but if it's legal in your area, if if I knew, say I was running uh, snares or, or body grips or even my Freedom Brand traps, if I've got enough of them and, and the location looks hot enough, I may have that equipment sitting there way before it's time to set them. If it's legal, now like I can said, check your laws on this. You don't want to get in trouble over this. But if, if or if I know that if I'm running cow lines and, and I'm getting done at, say, four in the afternoon and I still have about an hour or so before I've got to get home and I could do something productive, I may start going to these locations, which I've definitely done around here, locate these trails, set the snares up, we can't use body grips, in my and maybe even pre-stake the, the dog-proof traps right next to the trail, and just cover them up with leaves and stuff. And then I'll take notes, you know, so I know exactly where they are, so I'm not leaving equipment. And what that allows me to do on these structures is I can go back, and then within normally 15, 20 minutes, I can set up all the trails, plus inside of the structure where, where it looks like they're walking across the beams or whatever and different things like that. I can have all that equipment in place or, or cage traps. If you're using cage traps inside the barn, they can all be up against a back corner. And it, it, think about the difference now. If you're going to run six cages in a barn, say an old dairy barn or something like we have around here. If those cages are just sit back in a stall and the landowner knows they're there no one's gonna mess with them <coughs> and you've already kind of looked around well I can see they're probably coming through that old vent hole and where the the stall doors all broke off on the back that's where the trails coming through so I know exactly where they're gonna go a trapper that's not prepared is gonna have to load those cages up he's gonna have to drive out there carry them out of the truck carry them inside figure out where to put them Someone that's it's, it's really got their game wire tight about this, they go in, their cage is already there. It could have been a week ago or a month ago. They've got their, their lure and bait on their body. They go grab the cages, they set them up. They can be out in 10 minutes and on to the next place. That's where the big numbers come from is efficiency and simplicity. And that's as simple as you can get. Somewhere down the line, you're going to have to be inefficient because you're going to have to move stuff around because nobody's got enough equipment to do this for a season with everything that's probably going on, especially if you're getting up in volume of animals. That's okay, but at least at the beginning, get that done. And when you're looking at these structures, look for the big trees that are close to the building because a lot of time the raccoons will climb up the tree and get in the roof or the soffit or something like that. You can look at the bark on the tree. You can look at the trails going up to it. Look at where the, the vents are, where the old doors used to be. If they've got any type of gates, if there's a way the raccoon can climb over it or through it. When you get inside, you know where, where can the raccoon stack up for body heat, and different things like that? That's what you're looking for. It's not just going there and setting a trap in the middle of the barn. They still need to be on location even though it's in the barn. Or the the old homestead or something like that. Some of the best places around here I found are really old homesteads that, unless you knew that they were there, are are found them ahead of time. You would never find them, and and their houses have collapsed on top of theirself. And a lot of these old homesteads had cellars in the bottom of them. So you may come up to it and, it, and it, it's only, you know, three, four feet tall, but it used to be a full, you know, a uh, old farmstead house. It's completely collapsed. You've got trees growing up to it and stuff like that. Well, those raccoons, there's two of them I'm thinking of in my mind right now. Those raccoons can get where, you know, in between where the roof and all that stuff is, and they'll have a, a generational place that they stack up when it gets really cold. And you can you can really wear raccoons out when you find these places, especially that are generationally used. Because every male in the area is gonna know about it. It's kinda like the you know the bar, the strip club, or however else a guy's gonna get a date today. They know that they uh, the, apparently they they you know they brag about it or something every male seems to know so you may have four or five trails going into one of these old homestead buildings that's collapsed but you could take six eight ten coon off each one of those trail over the course of a couple of weeks now setting stuff up in a barn sometimes can you gotta have to get creative which is one of the reasons i really liked the freedom brand dog proof traps the reason is, is the way they have their stabilizer on the bottom of the trap. It's flat, it's designed to go into something besides the ground if needed, and that's really, really cool. So in a barn, they have these, uh, Freedom Brand, or you know, they, they have these little brackets that's designed for their trap to slide onto. So if, if I've got a barn, especially an old one, And there's a trail coming through there in most barns you'll you'll see the the studs and stuff on the inside or it's just wood i can go in with a pocket full of these brackets and a cordless drill and some screws and i've got some down in marion county that's been there been there for two years now the trail's coming through like around a corner where an old old gate's been broken out and, and it's coming from somewhere getting to that barn I can take the cordless drill with the screws with that bracket and I, right at ground level, a little bit above ground level, I can just zip that into the wood. And then I can just take the trap and slide it on that bracket because a lot of these old barns have concrete floors or it's gravel or where they had cows and sheep and stuff in there. It's so hard to push a dog-proof trap into the into the floor of that and stabilize it where it's up. It's near about impossible. So you're trying to wire it off to stuff and zip tight stuff with these little brackets by zipping them to the wall. It really gets it there and a cool thing about those brackets. One of the the best things about the bracket is you can have the trap a little bit higher than the floor level, which really cuts down on your possum catch. So that's that, you know, not that I've got anything against possums, but if I'm raccoon trapping I want to catch raccoons and I can raise that up with that bracket I can also go to where you know the old hay sitting in the loft and you'll see all this raccoon crap on the on the uh, the trussets up on on, you know where the roof roof line is at you know the beams that go across they will be covered in coon crap with those brackets I can just take a, a cable hook it around the edge of the the beam drill that thing into the drill the bracket into the beam and set the trap in there and I'm set up and gone and that's a lot different we're running it back out to the truck and getting wires zip ties or something like that or trying to jerry-rig something to work the brackets are metal they're made out of I, I don't know probably 10 gauge metal they're, they're gonna last forever and if it's a if it's a really good place why would you take it down anyway but that's one reason. And if you don't want to use the drill, you know, you can hook the bracket to a drag. They've got a drag for raccoons with a bracket already on there. So you can go into a barn, literally, drop the drag, set the, the dog proof into the Freedom Brand bracket, and walk away after it's baited. Super quick. Let's say you're scared of using drags the bracket on the freedom brand is also set up where you can put the you can spot weld those brackets to just a piece of plate metal so you could go in and if you're going to set up six or eight of these traps into a barn with a concrete floor like a lot of the old dairy barns are you could go in set bait your trap ahead of time have it pre-hooked to the, the metal if it's heavy enough Slide the, the bracket and the trap together. Set it in the floor in the middle of the coon trail, or where they're coming around an edge or something, and you're done. That's that's where the beauty of the, the Freedom Brand traps come from, in my opinion. Is they're more versatile because they're they've been designed a little bit better, thinking about different situations. So the brackets are a big deal on those. Foot holes in a barn can be kind of aggravating, but you you know one of the things I've done in the past is uh you would cable off to a post and just basically smear something on the post and instead a trap in front of it and then using the duff that's in the barn which is normally old hay or something like that or grain or or, or something solid something that's been there forever you can ca- even manure for that matter you can you can put that over your trap almost like a hay bale set for coyotes in a smear set you know but Is it as good as the dog proof at that point? I don't know. It's going to be hard to bed in that stuff because it's normally not the best bed material. Cages inside of buildings, I think, have a lot of application where most people, especially fur trappers, they, well, I can't carry, but so many of this, that, and the other. Well, that's where the prior planning comes in. If you've got several of these barns, you're way more out to get permission from a landowner if you're using cage traps or dog-proof traps than you are snares, body grips, or footholds. They're just a little nervous of you setting that stuff in their barn. Right or wrong, it's just the way it is. We gotta look at the world how it is, not the way we want it to be. So if you've got several barns that won't let you use standard equipment, Try with cage traps. Most people have no fear of someone setting a cage trap because if you don't like what you caught, you can open the door. So if their little beagle gets in there, open the door. No harm, no foul. If their, their house cat gets in there, no harm, no foul, just open the door and you can let them go. The cage traps, I think are really cool inside of barns because a lot of times the ground, the floor is hard. You can really set them up quick. I mean, really, really quick. And If I was gonna run a bunch of cages in a bunch of barns, I would always have five or six cages Not in a location. So it's in the back of the truck and the reason for that is you could go in See you have an animal just replace the cage Set the the animal if it's legal in your area in the back and allows you to get away from that barn for you, Before you dispatch the animal and you're not you're not spending a whole lot of time there because if you're if you're out in the middle of a field and you're say 10 12 o'clock every day you're checking those and someone sees your vehicle blow in and out of there eventually curiosity is going to get them even if they have permission or not they're gonna go see what it is so I treat barn barns and houses and stuff like that kind of like I do road trapping for the simple fact curiosity and it's so easy to remember where someone has seen you at that i like to get in and out as fast as possible now your snares and your body grips you if and i've been in a lot of places where you can you can set up snares on the trail coming and going if you get really good with snares you can start catching them on the beams and on the sides of the trees different things like that same with your body grips you'll also find a lot of ways that animals are sneaking into these structures that you can just almost treat it like a fence at that point and use a body grip or a snare really really cool how that works the other thing for for the rut and even later in the season that i see if the weather's still really cold one of the things i really key on guys is spoil piles what I mean by spoil piles is someone clears some land and you see them on farms all over the place They they clear some land, you know, they cut the trees. They take a bulldozer a tractor They just pile them up in a pile. Some of these things are 10 feet 12 feet tall 20 feet around and They start settling in and you know leaves catch up on them and but what happens is raccoons use those for dens when it gets cold and by knowing to look for them you can you can go out most of the time and pull up to one get out of the truck walk around the pile if you don't see trails you get back in your truck and you leave if you do see trails you set them up and you come back and you you collect your coot those are like really are like barns and structures those great big spoil piles of timber and logs and sticks and brush as far as some of them been there for so long that they're generational places that males know to come look for females. And females will raise their young in there. So you have you have a ready-made situation that's normally pretty easy to set up. Now when I'm setting spoil piles, because it's so you normally especially in the winter, so open around them. I don't wanna set directly at the spoil pile unless I'm gonna set a ton of traps and only be checking them for a few days. I would rather find the trail and follow the trail out 50, 60 feet, 50 yards, something like that. Really load up those trails at that point because what happens is it seems like raccoons kinda treat those spoil piles like they do feeders sometimes. If you catch them right at it, and this doesn't seem to be this way on barns, but it does on the spoil piles. When you catch the raccoons directly on the spoil piles, right at the base of them, which is the easiest to do, a lot of times that will shut that spoil pile off for raccoons coming in. But if you treat it like a feeder and you, and you get away from them a little bit, you can catch coon after coon after coon after coon. They don't seem to associate the trap being set there and animals caught to the actual target of where they're trying to go. And that's something I've noticed a lot of. So don't overlook the spoil piles at all. Now, depending on where you're at in the country, it de- I really like rock walls and places like where Randy does a lot of or the old coal mines in the mountains, the, the local, you know, almost uh, family coal mines. And in here where I'm at in the, in the, in the mountains, you, you have valleys and then you have mountains and a lot of times on those mountains you have these rock faces. And there's a lot of cracks and there's a lot of holes and there's a lot of overhanging uh, banks with the rocks and stuff like that. And raccoons will really load up inside of these things. I've seen them in Iowa when I was out at Scott Webb's. His actually has so many raccoons get in there that steam comes out of them in the wintertime he was telling me and but around here what's so neat about these rock faces when you have them and they need to be big i mean i'm not talking about just a structure that's 20 feet long or a rock sticking out in the middle of the wood somewhere i'm talking about an honest to goodness rock face something you would think about repelling off of and it's got some some size and distance to it is you most of the time the animals will walk up not just raccoons but all animals will walk up close to there she'll so have a main trail normally than three or four feet of that thing that's the same place all the raccoons are going to walk so if it, however you can get to it which sometimes is a problem there's a lot of around here i can't even get to i've never figured out a way to get to it unless i was going to repel down the wall and i'm not doing that for raccoons but if you can get to them, you just have to get to them in a couple of places. Because most of the time, because the raccoons and males are traveling at that point, you can you can find those trails. I can load them up with my, my, my FB dog proofs. I can put 8, 10, 12, 14 traps on that trail. And I may come back tomorrow and have one raccoon. And then I may come back the next day and have no raccoon. Then I may come back the next day and I may have 8 raccoons that's what makes these things so neat because so many raccoon go visit these things and it really depends on just when they get there and i do think a lot of the males do travel in groups in the winter i mean kind of like you know party buses or something that you can really rack up on these things the big rock faces if you've got them you need to check them out if there's game trails next to those and you can find places raccoons can sneak into and, and you know, slither around or get behind and they're out of the weather and they're out of the rain, they're out of the snow and they can, you know, the body heat and plus the rock faces, they absorb heat during the day, even when it's cold. So they're warmer at night and raccoons really pick up on that. It's a really cool thing. The caves, you know, in the rock faces, the caves that can be old coal mines, There's a lot of, um, I mean, around here we've got some caves that, you know, that are literally have creeks running through them, you know, I mean, historical ones around here. And I've really had good luck at at trapping those. I've come across a few of the old um, family homestead, I guess, coal mine things that are half caved in. Oh, dude come by January February those are some hot spots and when you get up in more of the Northeast we have more of the cold country the you know that that has been like that forever you can really rack up on that and after running around with Randy and seeing how that works I mean it's just phenomenal I mean most of the time when he's catching coon there's a foot of snow on the ground and it's eight degrees outside and it's because they they, have, they know where to go. It could be those buildings. It could be the rock face. It could be the old coal mine shafts. It could be caves. It could be old cars, buses, anything like that. you you got to keep all this stuff on your radar and be thinking about it. The locations of these things is the reason you can, you, most time you can know where the coon's going to go to and from somewhere when you're driving up to them. Expand your vision out past the micro location that you're at. You're looking for other denning areas that are somewhere else. That could be across a field. It could be another old barn. It could be an old spoil pile. It could just be the lay of the land where you've got a ridge or you've got a draw. How the animals are going to go from one place to the other. Because during a rut, the coons are going from where the most amount of females are to the most amount of females are to the most amount of females are. And they're not hanging around very long. They're just hanging around to spend some time with their girlfriend, and they're moving on. Then the more of these you can lock up, the better you're at. And a lot of your locations, especially if you're road trapping at this time, you're looking at, you're, you're trying to find somewhere that animals would den up. Old cottonwood trees, big old forest, you know, different things like that. And you may have a line of trees coming from an old growth, something on one side of the road, and then on the other side past all these other fields you've got a ridge line or something like that where well, there's gonna be denning trees over there. What you're trying to do then is piece together the locations that a raccoon is going to travel from say one ridge to another or across a great big field from one set of trees to another He's going to use cover and that could just be a fence row. It could be a draw. It could be just where there's higher vegetation It could be a row of trees it could be a scattering of trees where a fence line used to be, but they use those as markers, and they'll run back and forth, and that's where you put your traps. So you got to think of your, your denning areas. So if you find places that, that have a good potential to be denning areas, it's not that you just find the denning area. You've got to expand that scope to where you go out and you find the other denning areas, and how do they get from denning area A? to Denon uh, Den area B, and that's the locations that you're looking for. There may be two or three, or it could just be one, but that, that's pretty phenomenal when you start, start looking at that, because most guys that I've gave instruction to, even in the summer, especially up north where you don't have the vegetation growth like we have down here, or it's a different kind, the, the issue is not so much where to find enough coon at, the issue becomes how do I set all these trails up. Because, uh, you know, if you, if you want to have some fun, go out as soon as the frost hits, give it four or five days, and just just Drive. And if you want to have some really cool fun that you really get overly excited about, if you go through a field and say it's 25 acres, a field, not a very big field, just a field, or it could be a 1,000 acre field. When you get to the next tree line, stop the truck and get out and look for coon trails. Lo and behold, you're going to find one. And then you'll slow down in the wooded section right there, and you may find five or six decent coon trails right there that most people blow by because they don't have to be on a creek or a culvert. And then when you come up to the next place, which could be uh, another field or a house situation or commercial building or whatever it is, on the very edge of that, normally within 30 feet of the edge of that, you're going to find a really good coon trail right there. So it's not so much, how do you find coon? It's how do you set all the coon stuff up? And then you then you get into strategic reasons of why of how you're running these lines, which becomes way more important than finding a raccoon. Because literally, if you've got a decent pop- population of raccoon, most trappers drive past 80% of the raccoon. They look for a cornfield, they look for a culvert, and they look for a creek. You go with somebody that's really been hammering coon for decades and you watch where they set, yeah they'll set a culvert and yes they'll set a creek, but they'll be setting a ton more locations that most people they have no competition on. And a smarter person that understands raccoon is gonna be looking for those locations because you don't have the competition. You're not gonna have the trap theft and you've got coon that's just gonna be all by yourself. And most of those are going to be coming from somewhere to somewhere. And and most of the time, especially in the rut season, it's from a denning area to another denning area. Or it could be a cornfield that's a mile away coming to another section of woods that a guy's got some sweet corn behind a barn or something. You can't see it. You just don't know what it is. But the coon do. And you've got to be able to slow down enough to, to check these trails out. So you're looking for these food sources or you're looking for these denning areas. Now, when you get later into the winter, the rut stops. And depending on your temperature, like around here in the south, the best time to go raccoon trapping is usually February. And it's usually the last couple of weeks of season. Then you can, you can revert back to early season style with the water and you can start popping in pockets and dog proofs on the sides of creeks and stuff like that. The coon that are still around are a lot bigger. Around here they're in really good shape. And they go back to as Blackie used to say, raccoons when the weather gets bad always goes back to mother. And by mother he meant the water. That's where they were born at, that's where they were raised at, that's where they knew security was at, and that's where they needed to find food because later in the year, it gets harder, you got the acorns and the chestnuts and all that stuff is gone, there's not a lot of grubs and stuff because they're really deep, the ground can be frozen off, so a lot of the worms go deeper, (coughs) which is a main food source for raccoons, you don't have insects. A lot of birds are migratory so they're not they're not where the raccoon are at so they go back to mother which is water and one of the the funnest raccoon lines that I've ran because I started seeing this uh, see I was probably about this before I moved to the house I'm in now so it's about 16 17 years ago raccoon prices actually started going up and it was later in the year, people talking about high coon prices. Well, it was February, and you know, people saying that they're already rubbed, it's too late, this, that, and the other. Well, the few few coons that I'm catching while I'm cow trapping, they're in really, really good shape. So I go full bore coon trapping towards the end of February. It's like the last six days of season. Never caught that many coon in Tennessee as I did at that one particular time. And I was road trapping. And it was legal back then, believe it or not. And I don't know why it's not illegal now, except it seemed like the state wants to take the fun out of everything. But every culvert and creek I would come to, I'd put traps. And it was like coon after coon. But what I noticed was these were bigger coon. Bigger boars and bigger females. It, It was almost like the smaller coon didn't go back to the water. I don't know if they weren't around anymore or what was going on but the raccoon season got really really high well they were talking about raccoon prices beaver prices muskrat prices it was a water animal year and uh, so I was doing a lot of boat trapping and I was catching muskrats and beaver and otter and stuff like that out of the boat well lo and behold about probably about February I'm out muskrat trapping and I'm running a lot of log sets where I've got the trap just underneath the water and I'm smearing the lure up above the water line on these logs all up and down the river. I'm catching muskrats, but about February, you know, I go from catching a couple accidental raccoons a day to like 8, 10, 12 a day. And it didn't take me long to figure out for whatever reason, these raccoons were coming back to the water. And they were they were really searching for food so then I started really looking at okay I must I'm gonna I'm gonna start thinking about this from a coon perspective instead of a raccoon and instead of a muskrat perspective so and you know where I live like I said it's in Appalachian so we have a lot of uh, rolling hills and mountains and stuff like that and we have a lot of water of course when you're on a river so you, you'll have the, the water going back and forth you know, through an area and it's never straight hardly. And it'll, it'll bump up against a lot of the ridges in certain areas. So that was my locations that I was targeting. So if I went around a bend or the, you know, there were some angles in the water and all of a sudden it got really steep, it, it could funnel those raccoons into really close to the water right there because it's easier for them to travel. So then I would start setting everything that was out over the water. And, and, and I wasn't something like muskrat traps. I would take now, I would use the FBs with the brackets, like I was telling you with the screws, because I could just zip them down into the logs, set the, the dog proof on there with an the extension cable around the log and I could be rolling a lot faster. But what I was doing at that point is I would get right where the log or the, the blowover tree was right up close to the bank or there would be a dip or something in the log where I could put, you know, a big hand of uh, mud and leaves and stuff over the top of that to kind of hide that trap. And I was just smearing bait and lure out past the trap. But on the water side, and some of these would be eight, ten feet out in the water. Some would be really close to the bank. Slayed the king. slayed the king. I mean, I felt like a hero. I mean, big coon For here, big coon. And I'm like, wow, man, I figured this out. So next, next, the next year, I start off doing that. And that was the most pitiful raccoon catch you've ever seen in your life. Because I was trying to force raccoon into a system and a way of, of catching them that they weren't ready for yet. They just, they just weren't, they weren't coming out on those logs like they did late in the year. Now, wherever you're at in the world, you're gonna have to figure that out. But I bet you, you'll find out that once the raccoons do start coming back to the water, very few people are setting trap lines out like that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through, it's, a, it's very simple. You gotta be creative because every log and, and everything is different. You've got land. You've got something that goes out over the water. You know, like the trees that fell in the water, logs and stuff coming off the bank. It's like that all over the place. I would set a trap on top of the log. So I'd have land, trap, then the lure and bait. And the lure and bait is on the water side of whatever it is that I'm setting. I'm not setting, you know, you could set them up on the bank with dirt holes or whatever, but it really isolated those, those raccoons. And if you're in an area that you're allowed to snare, you can really rack up on these things because you can, you can get your snare supports and stuff where you can use wire and use some brush to kind of camouflage that snare in and put your lure out past it. The raccoons almost got to go through your snare to get caught. It's a really cool system, but it only works when the big raccoons come back to the water. So you got to keep that in mind. So I do not recommend you go out and try to do what I just said in November. It's, you're not going to have the effectiveness of what I'm talking about. Okay, the last thing later in the year that I've noticed after the rut, remember me going back and saying that the food is is more scarce at that time. So they're more receptive. And what, you, what I'm looking for then is going back into food sources, which is mostly man-made at that time. If you have chicken houses, you're going to have raccoons. Because the way that they go through chickens at a a commercial chicken house is astounding. And they're supposed to compost them and they're supposed to do this. And some of them have big tanks they drop them down into. A lot of that has changed over the years, no doubt. And a lot of guys, just for convenience, will throw them little boogers out in the woods when they're dead. Raccoons, coyotes, fox, everything those are there. But it's a food source and it's a protein food source, which is harder for a raccoon to get that time of year that he really pays attention to. If it's somewhere that has uh, a farm that has gut piles or it's a farm or somewhere that they do a lot of deer hunting late in the year, depending on your season, they're throwing out a bunch of gut piles. Raccoons start to become a lot more scavenger predatory type mentality than most people think they are which is part of the thing i'm going to close up on this um on this last section i want to talk about raccoon baits and lures are different early and late and i've and i've known and and i've seen people online say that's just lure maker talk And, and i'm here to tell you that's hogwash Raccoons have two separate things inside their season that they have got to account for. In the fall, they're looking for carbohydrates and sugar because carbohydrates and sugar, just like me and you, makes fat. And they're trying to put on that fat as much as possible to get them through the hard times that are coming. They just know this instinctively. That's why a lot of the, the baits and lures for raccoons are sweet in nature because that's what a raccoon's more receptive to. Later in the year, they start having once that fat goes away and they're living on—they're not living on that fat as much as they used to—and it starts dwindling down. They start losing muscle, and without a certain amount of protein, an animal's organs and stuff will stop working right. And animals instinctively know this. This is when they start trying to get more fish. They, they, they try to be more predatory, almost like a fox or a cow. They're more protein-based later in the year, you know, like after the first year after it gets really cold and stuff like that. They've already went through the I've got to get fat stage and now they've got to get protein stage. So early in the year, sweet's great. Later in the year, meat is better. And think about Predator style stuff like for me once it starts getting really cold. I Don't use Coon Crush anymore. I go to Federale's bait Which is a predator bait and with Coon Crack on top of it There's a little bit of sweet there, but there's a whole lot of protein there And there's a whole lot of amino acids because of what's in there animals pick up on that They know they need it. They work that trap so much harder later in the year with a meat in it than it would be if I were to go straight in there with something sweet. And a lot of guys that go later in the season fall down on what they could be catching because they're treating the raccoon like it was when it needed to gain fat. So they don't catch what they should be catching. Not because the raccoons are there, because the raccoons aren't as interested in what they're what they're trying to give them. So once, it's, once it goes cold later in the year, even during the rut and after the rut, I start getting more into predator bait style stuff for protein based baits and lures for raccoons. Normally the sweet, especially if it's got a sweet sour something like Blitzcoon does where you, know, you smell it and you're smelling different things over, over, over a few seconds. That with the protein gives you a full buffet of smells coming out of a trap it's it's got sweet that cuts the air a little bit better than meat does and it helps carry the meat odor out of the trap depending on what time what kind you're trying to use and it seems to work so much better and I learned this I didn't really realize how important it was I learned this one of my first really big out-of-state trapping trips was in West Tennessee and I had these mixtures I made up of of fish and honeys and I mean I had all this crap made up that I was gonna go you know beat the world with and it was it was getting on into December it was getting really 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 cold and I had a bunch of sweet stuff and when I first got there everything was working the way it was supposed to be because I was doing about 18 coons a day in West Tennessee which is not bad at all plus a bunch of beaver and otter and stuff like that so I'm doing about 18 coons a day well the weather kept getting colder and colder and colder and then we flooded and then when when the water went back down I went to start setting again the catch was way way off but I've already burnt through most of all of the sweet stuff that I've made coming out there. So then, only thing I had left, basically, was a bunch of Powder River paste bait from Craig O'Gorman. Now that stuff's expensive to be using for coon trapping. But I'm already out there. I'm burning gas. I'm burning energy. I wanted to have bait. So I start using the Powder River. And it is a rank coyote bait, if you've never smelled it. Lo and behold, the next day it was just like I was on track from a couple of weeks ago. The raccoons responded to that. Now it took me a couple of years to figure out that it was the cold that, that seemed to trip the trigger on using a predator bait for raccoons. Because the next year, I, you know, and this is just part of learning. I went straight into using the heavy predator bait stuff and caught some raccoon but not what I should have so over time that's kind of I've kind of figured out sweet early meat later and if you do that you can keep up a higher potential that's why when Randy Smith's catching those thousand coons in the snow and ice below freezing in Pennsylvania he takes my federales and he, because it's such a high protein and amino acids base, he takes that and he'll mix, he'll, he'll, he'll grind that stuff up and smush it up as much as he can, put it into vegetable oil, which is probably about a, I don't know, a pint of, of bait, probably what he's using exactly, I'm not sure, into probably a gallon of vegetable oil And he just mixes that up in there and lets it sit. And he's using that as a spray bait at that time on top of his dog food and different stuff like that. But it's the meat and the the amino acids in there which really trips the trigger on the raccoon later in the year. I doubt he would have the same success with that if he started out when most people start raccoon trapping in Pennsylvania which is October because the raccoons aren't ready for it at that time. Their body's not telling them that's what they need. So even though raccoon trapping seems simple, and it is, it's it's usually more complicated than people think once you get into how how complicated all animals and seasons and weather and everything really is. Not saying that it's overly complicated, but it's just one of those things over years, you just kind of learn things. So, I'm going to go ahead and, and close up the show on that. It looks like a pretty long show as it is. I hope that answers all the questions for the gentlemen that I could think of about the middle and the late of the trapping season. Not an expert on raccoons by any stretch of the imagination. So I, like, I like some of the guys out there that are true experts in it. But I have observed a lot over the years. And what I'm telling you today is just my opinion on what I've observed. So y'all go out remember your trucks, guys. And if you're a business owner you haven't paid your taxes, remember your extortion check is due. And I hope to see everybody at the Southern NTA. And this is Clint, signing out.